This is the Everyday AI Show, the everyday podcast where we simplify AI and bring its power to your fingertips. Listen daily for practical advice to boost your career, business, and everyday life. It's that tricky topic that it seems like no one can get a hold of. Governance, right? There's always these these hurdles and these roadblocks that you have to go over or go through until you can properly implement and properly adopt to getting generative AI in your organization. And one of those is governance. So we're going to be tackling that today and more on Everyday AI. Thank you for joining us. My name's Jordan Wilson, and I am the host of Everyday AI. If you're new here, thanks for joining us. This is for you. This this daily live stream, daily podcast, daily newsletter, it's all for you. Uh, There's always so much happening in the world of generative AI, and it's hard to tackle it all alone. So that's why we are here to help you grow your company and grow your career by understanding and using generative AI. All right, so we're I'm super excited to talk about governance. It's something we literally cannot talk about enough. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I'm going to go over, as we do every day, the AI news. So if you maybe are joining us live or you're listening to us on your commute to work, there's always more additional info and links in the show notes. Make sure to check those out, including to our website at youreverydayai.com, where we will be recapping these news stories as well as the show for today. All right, so let's talk about what is new in the AI world news. Well, AI news in the world, right? All right, so uh, a Texas company is to blame for the AI robocall impersonating President Joe Biden. So Texas-based telecom company Life Corporation and its owner, Walter Monk, were identified as the source behind the AI-generated robocalls impersonating President Joe Biden during the New Hampshire presidential primary, according to reports. So uh, this call was reportedly created with the voice cloning software from AI startup Eleven Labs, but the company has denied responsibility. So the FCC and the New Hampshire Attorney General's office have taken action against the source of this fake robocall. So I've been talking about this literally for like nine months that the 2024 presidential election is going to be a lot of people's uh, first foray into generative AI. So yeah, you're going to be seeing a lot of these probably on a daily basis starting here uh, in a couple of weeks as primary season starts to heat up. All right, next, there is a new and updated AI model Uh, for video that was just released. So Stability AI has announced an upgrade to its image-to-video latent diffusion model, SVD, which promises better motion and consistency in short AI videos. Uh, So this model is available for public use now, and subscription members can also access it to use it for commercial purposes. So free for education and research, but you obviously have to have a paid account if you're using it for commercial purposes. So the new model is called SVD 1.1, and it's a fine-tuned version of SVD 1.0, and it's optimized to generate, like I said, more consistent and photorealistic AI video. Uh, So this space is crowded. You know, I talked about that in the, you know, bold takes for 2024, that this is going to be a space to keep an eye on. So not only do you have your runway and your Pika, but now you have the the new updated video model from Stability AI, as well as you have Google Lumiere and Meta Emu video as well. It's going to get crowded there. And hey, there's already reports of uh, AI video in Super Bowl ads or big game ads, right? What can you say? All right, uh, last piece of AI news. Uh, the attorney who infamously submitted made-up information from an AI chatbot is now going uh, undergoing some uh, disciplinary action. So uh, the New York lawyer, 
that is facing discipline action for using a fictitious case generated by AI in a medical malpractice lawsuit. So the lawyer admitted when this happened a couple of months ago, uh, admitted to using AI for research and failing to verify the results, submitting a fabricated citation in her legal brief. So the use of AI in legal profession has raised concerns about competency, complacency, and the need for transparency and verification. It's like, y'all, increase the quality of your input, and you're not going to have hallucinations like this. So yeah, this uh, case did happen a couple of months ago, but now the new news here is that it seems like these uh, disciplinary actions are apparently underway. All right, that was a lot in a very short amount of time. So if something there caught your ear, or we always have a lot more uh, that's going on in the world of AI news and just kind of fresh finds from across the web and recapping our show for today. So as always, you can go to youreverydayai.com and sign up for that free daily newsletter. But now let's talk governance, right? Uh, it's it's something we've talked about here on the show a couple of times, but I think you can't hear it enough. So if you're someone that is in charge of implementing AI within your organization, if you're trying to think of the best ways to uh, you know govern generative AI, today's show is for you. So uh, it's not just me. I'm I'm very excited for our guest today. So uh, please help me welcome to the show. There we go. All right. So we have uh, Gabriella Kuz, Senior Fellow at AI2030. Gabriella, thank you for joining the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. Absolutely. It's great to have you. And hey, thanks for everyone joining us live. Tara from Nashville and Woozy from Kansas City. Everyone, thank you for joining us. As always, if you have a question, make sure to get it in now, right? Don't wait. All right, but uh, Gabriella, tell us a little bit about what you do uh, as a senior fellow at AI2030. Sure. Um, so my background, um, I'm a governance subject matter expert. So in international financial sector and economic development programming around the world, 56 different countries, um, I built governance institutions. I helped to strengthen legal and regulatory um, frameworks in order to ensure that there was good ethical and standards principles. And now at AI2030, I'm applying those same concepts to the emerging edge technology fields of artificial intelligence. So um, working to get the word out, um, share perspectives through different events, programming, and activities like today's, and just really looking to help shape standard setting, discussions around legal and regulatory, and ensuring responsible innovation in the AI space. Now, I'm sure if you are actively trying to implement generative AI in your organization, you are very aware of, of the, the concept of governance and why it's needed. But but uh, Gabriella, maybe let's let's hit rewind and zoom out a little bit, but talk about what governance even is for those maybe who are unaware and why it's so important. Sure. So governance usually encompasses kind of two core areas. One deals with, you know, technical um, standards or practices. And the other really deals with your ethical behaviors or your moral assumptions for use of a given technology or an emerging area, right? Um, so when we talk about governance, we're talking about the rules or the framework that shapes both the design Okay, so it goes all the way back and rewinds to some of the um, engineering days. So it covers some of the design. Um, it also covers the application. Okay, so where you can use that technology. And then it, it also covers any outputs from that technology and their use, their um, 
how they're made available to the public or in what ways you can use those particular outputs. So it's really at each stage, design, build, and then actual use and application. Yeah, and I think it's important to talk about and investigate a little bit deeper because I think sometimes people are under um, probably just have bad uh, instruction or, you know, people just think, oh, well, we can just throw a bunch of generative AI into our organization, just like it's a new piece of software. Uh, but it's not really like that because, uh, you know, Gabriella, could you talk a little bit of, you know, kind of the, the dangers of, of AI, especially if you don't know what you're doing? You know, obviously we talked about, you know, the updated piece of news here with the uh, the attorney submitting, you know, kind of hallucinations uh, to, to, to the courts. But what are some maybe uh, dangers on like, okay, well, Here's why you actually need AI governance. Yeah. So I think there's been, you know, a few cases that have come up so far. Um, I believe it was a car dealership that had an AI bot that sold a car for $1 or you have. Um, and, you know, some of these things, they're funny and then others aren't quite so funny. So more recently, you had the gentleman who thought he was speaking to a room full of um, his C-suite board. And in fact, it was, you know, an AI uh, developed board scene and he lost $25 million. Um, so I think, you know, we're starting to see what some of the potential negative implications are. And correctly so, you know, those of us who have dealt with emerging issue areas or emerging technologies are trying to work together collaboratively um, to try to both create a framework and an opportunity for stepping forward in a way that positively allows companies, organizations, and individuals to know what is the healthy, constructive way to use this technology and what is not. And I think what you'll see is a need to revamp some of the legal and regulatory framework around that in a way that's not prohibitive for technology to develop, but also for a way that we start to protect consumers and the general public. Um, so really when we talk about you know, why governance is important, it comes down to this concept of, well, it's a new space, we know that it's going to be an emerging opportunity, but with opportunities come threats, right? And so that's where we need to start to look at both, you know, some of the security aspects, some of the ethical aspects of using somebody's image without their permission or um, using images that you've shared publicly, right? Through your Facebook account, through your other social media accounts. Um, who owns that? How can that be used or manipulated? Should it be labeled um, that it has been AI generated or AI manipulated? Um, and, and what implications does that have for society at large? So that's just a bit of a deep dive <laughs> using some like very recent, somewhat funny, others not so funny examples. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we talked about this on the show yesterday, the example that you brought up, the um, the individual who accidentally, you know, transferred $25 million to a company because they were speaking with a very convincing and AI deepfake board, right? Which is something right. even a year ago, you know, or a year and a half ago, I don't think people uh, envisioned that something like this would could be a problem for their company, right? So maybe let's even, before we even dive it uh, a little bit deeper on, you know, governance and ethical frameworks, maybe let's just talk about, and I'd love to hear your perspective on just the speed of all of this technology and how that actually complicates 
uh, governance because, you know, you can make, you know, the best, you know, rules and regulations, mm -hmm. but then there's a, maybe a brand new technology that didn't exist two months ago when you were putting your framework together. So mm -hmm. how can companies really tackle that breakneck speed of, of new generative AI technologies with being safe yet using Gen AI to stay ahead? Yeah. So <clears throat> I'll talk through some of this at a macro level and then we'll go into sort of the company level. At the macro level, what you have to understand is that this is the speed with which this is moving. So I came from like the blockchain and digital asset space and that was moving fast. This is just taking off. Um, it's like one day there's, you know, nothing there. And the next day you have a deep fake board that's now extorting or stealing $25 million from you, right? Um, the pace is so fast that it is extremely difficult to build out a framework in rapid pace, right? So just to give you an example, to create either ethical standards or global technical standards, you're talking about a period that usually would take anywhere at the very fastest pace, five years, and at the like longer end and probably median seven, and then longer term, 10 years to get one standard through a due process, a standard setting board, committees, advisory groups, ensuring all stakeholders have had the opportunity to give feedback and input, and that it's not going to have any unintended consequences when it comes to the market, the technology, or the geography that it's being applied. All right, seven, seven years, let's give it on average. Now, if it takes seven years to create a new standard, there's a, that creates a lot of bottleneck and it's also not being relevant or timely for the purposes of users or companies that are trying to have a competitive advantage, okay, while protect their own interests as well as the interests of their customers and clients. So what you're going to see is most likely this gap that exists, and that's where you're going to have industry sort of coming around and coming together and starting to understand that they themselves need to start to come forward with, at the very minimum, a framework and more likely some level of principles-based approach to standard setting that will allow for companies, especially listed companies that have additional burdens um, and responsibilities, that they can use this technology responsibly. And so, um, you know, I think that's one piece of it. When it comes to your everyday company, I strongly encourage people to look at and for guidance from FinTech for Good and from AI 2030. Um, we've recently produced a response to NIST, um, which is our U.S national standard setting body um, that goes through and provides sort of a high level etch around the ethical and appropriate application um, of AI technology in practice. So, you know, again, you can Google it, FinTech4 with the number, <laughs> good, AI2030. It should give you some level of direction if you yourself are tasked, if you're, you know, sort of your company's tech ombudsman or you're sort of in charge of some of the edge technology, ethical or um, standard governance procedures, I would strongly take a look at some of that and also follow NIST. Um, so that's a piece that I think you want to look at as well um, and follow what some of our national standard setting boards are doing, the direction they're taking. And that should give you some insight as to like how you yourself maybe need to strengthen, order and um, promote the use of that in a responsible way.
so so much good information there. Yeah, don't worry. This is one of those when I tell people like check the show notes, check the show notes. Okay, we'll yeah, Gabrielle just just dropped a lot of great information, and yeah, we've had other uh, other guests on the show from AI twenty thirty fintech for good. So we'll uh, we'll put their episodes in there as well. Uh, so yeah, geez, so so many nuggets there. My gosh. All right, so Gabriella, let's let's maybe uh, hit rewind now and, and and talk just about governance because like what you said right there i think well first we just have to tackle that like you can't businesses like whether you're small medium or enterprise you can't operate the same way you've always operated with these five to seven years going through committees etc even with pilot programs i tell big companies if your first foray into generative ai is a one-year pilot program you're gonna fail you gotta have something short and measurable anyways let's talk about just the the actual process of governance like what is it how does it work you know because like what you said gabriella like doing the five to seven year route you can't really do that so what's the responsible way to govern generative ai in your organization hey this is jordan the host of everyday ai i've spent more than a thousand hours inside chat gpt and i'm sharing all of my secrets in our free prime prompt polish chat gpt course that's only available to loyal listeners like you here's what lindy who works as an educational consultant said about the ppp course i couldn't figure out why i wasn't getting the results from chat gpt that i needed and wanted and after taking the ppp course i now realized that i was not priming correctly so I will be heading back into ChatGPT right now to practice my priming, prompting, and polishing. Everyone's prompting wrong, and the PPP course fixes that. If you want access, go to podppp.com. Again, that's podppp.com. Sign up for the free course and start putting ChatGPT to work for you. Yeah. So I'll um, draw some parallels to some of what we're seeing with regards to the adoption and implementation of ESG, because I feel like a lot of emerging areas have a lot in common when it comes to having individuals or departments with responsibility for really trying to create order out of (laughs) what may appear to be somewhat chaotic, um, you know, uh, surroundings. And I think that In this instance, you can draw a lot of parallels to that. You're going to have a lot of emerging, likely private sector entities that stand forward and try to create some level of organized framework, okay, or principles. And I think that if if you are an individual who's tasked with helping to ensure the appropriate um, approach for your company or your division when it comes to AI, the first and best place to look at, I think, will be towards some of like the government, right? And see what's coming out of there. If that's too slow, then start to look at some of the private sector organizations that are trying to advance responsible AI usage, right? The other things you can do is look at some of the larger companies, so the Amazons, the Googles, the um, Microsofts, the approaches that they're taking, because that can give you some level of insight into how you can build and at least you know, learn in a similar manner how to structure an approach that helps to hopefully protect and support your customers and clients and your staff and organization. Um, I think the last piece I'll say is that you need to be doing things like listening to AI every day and you need to be, you know, um, subscribing to different news feeds, 
and other you know, organizational feeds that provide you with insight on how other pilots are being run and structured. I agree with the fact that a year is way too long um, to kind of test some of this. I think you're looking at more like a you know two to three month period, which I think is much more reasonable and also minimizes any of the potential negative impacts that you would have. You need to design that pilot in a way that you have previously identified what your metrics for measuring success are. Um, you need to bound it so that it doesn't have leakage into some of the broader um, activities of your organization in the event that there are negative impacts. And I think you also need to be honest about what the true value is, um, return on investing time, effort, energy, um, and capital. Okay, so what your return on investment is. And then ultimately, understanding and doing a very strong identification of risks and actions that you're going to take to mitigate those risks if you're going to push that towards like a next level pilot and i would say you know again it's one of these things where you're not going to like do a pilot and then push go i think you're going to do a bunch of iterative piloting until you and your organization feels comfortable with the framework and um, structure that you've designed that appropriately takes into consideration some of the litigation risks, some of the you know, challenges that you're gonna see around privacy and protection. So these are not gonna necessarily be things that will be able to be litigated, but it's going to be in the court of public opinion, whether or not the way that you've designed and sought to use AI is appropriate socially. Okay. And that's why I say, I think there's a lot of parallels to some of what we've seen roll out with ESG because you're in sort of this gray space of what is and isn't appropriate. And that is ever changing. And so that's why staying abreast of, you know, daily news on AI, understanding what public attitude is towards AI and its applications is going to be crucially important to designing something that in the end is not only acceptable from a social perspective is legal, um, when it comes to the shifting legal and regulatory framework, but I think it's suitable in terms of the appetite for risk and appropriate application of that for your own company, its leadership, its shareholders, clients, customers, and staff. Yeah, and I, I think, Gabriella, that it also depends on where, right? Like a, a lot of our audience is, is here from the U.S., but we have, uh, geez, I think just I looked this week, we have people listening from 160 different countries. Oh. So it, it, it depends on where you are, right? But like, uh, just let's say for the US, because that's where the majority of our um, of our audience is from. So let's, you know, you kind of mentioned government. So uh, Raul here has a great question. Raul, thanks for the question. So saying, do you believe that governance will first be implemented in corporations? Or do you believe the federal government will have to intervene to make this happen mm -hmm. within corporations? What's your take on that, Gabriela? Sure. So I think it depends on the country. Um, I think if I'm looking at the U.S., you know, if we're also understanding that we have a global audience, um, I think in the U.S., what you're going to see is due to some of the protracted nature of the legal and regulatory system here in the U.S., the very first steps are going to be corporations that will work to minimize any potential negative impacts um, to their own bottom line and to their staff and to their products. So it's going to be somewhat self-interested, but the first steps are going to be, you know, risk identification and mitigation in order to ensure that things like the $25 million loss doesn't happen again, right? So that's going to be the first wave of governance that most individuals who are tasked with some role in creating a governance framework for AI are going to be told 
this can't happen to us. Make sure you find a way so that this doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, then I think what you're going to see is an ongoing, which you've already started to see, right? Um, with the utilization of the robocalls for the Biden campaign, for example, now you're going to have some of the societal pressure, which will, I think, again, before laws are created, okay, there's always some level of industry self-regulation and whether it's effective or not, you know, that's, for the audience to judge. But before there's usually some sort of formal law, the ways that formal laws typically get made is through almost piloting in real life, in many cases, um, from industry. And so industry will give input and feedback into that process before a law is you know, undertaken, usually, in the US. Overseas, you may have, especially depending on the type of government, if it is more um, centralized, if it is more um, a command and control, then you will likely see laws being moved very fast to ensure that um, you know some of the top-down uh, powers that be are protected, that those risks are identified and mitigated so as to ensure um, no undue or um, inadvertent unseating of power or disruption to the order. Um, but I think when it comes to like more free societies, free markets, you're going to see it happen first in some of the corporations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Normally, I don't interject. But, you know, I'll say at least here in the U.S. because I think people don't have a good picture of this. I don't think there's going to be any meaningful legislation around AI anytime soon, at least here in the US when we're talking about legislation. Will there be executive orders? Yes. Will there be legislation? Probably not. People don't even realize that there hasn't even been meaningful legislation passed around social media, right? We're still debating yeah. the merits of section 230, which is from 1996. So yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, kind of kind of what Gabriella said, it might be best to, to tackle this one from the, from the corporate side. Uh, I love this question here from Tara. So asking, what are the best practices for change management involved in introducing new governance? Yeah, I think people just kind of uh, skip over the fact that those two are very interconnected. Uh, Gabriella, what's, what's your thoughts on, you know, uh, introducing kind of AI governance, but then also still prioritizing proper change management? Sure. So I think in that sense, um, when you're looking at, so I would say that there's almost like two different levels. One is like, again, I do like a macro and then I do sort of an uh, organizational micro view. Um, at a macro level, I think we're talking about um, advancing some of the need for standards and for practices. It's not just with AI, it's with a lot of things for that to be more timely and relevant and to be reviewed and amended more um, rapidly for obsolescence and applicability. Okay, so that's kind of one piece of that. When you talk about, um, you know, internally, I always go through a process um, whereby, you know, you're looking at a multi-stakeholder group. So it is going to be some sort of unit internally that helps to provide input and feedback into the individual or the department that's tasked with creating that governance structure. Um, so ensuring that you have somebody from marketing, someone from product, somebody from um, finance, who's part of the conversation around what governance should look like for this space. Um, because you then have individuals from different departments, those people become a natural delivery channel down into their units and departments. And they've also felt bought into the process. They understand why it's important and applicable to their business function. And so, um, 
one of the most important things for change management involved in new governance is inclusion. So that's why I think it's really important to make sure that you have that multidisciplinary, multi-departmental team that talks through what this is as a technology, why we're moving forward with governance, and explains you know, what some of the tangible next steps for people who are head of finance need to be. Um, maybe it's that you know, when we have important board calls that mm -hmm. we also have to you know, do a text just to double check and make sure that, or another mode of communication that's off of that particular Zoom meet so that we now are able to double check some of this. We look through some of the risks, both as like the individual who's tasked with the governance um, setup, but then also ask for feedback from some of those department heads where they see now that they have been introduced to this technology, now that we've started to see what some of the risks are, what do they see as some of the weaknesses or areas or threats that we need to look at? Um, I think in addition to that, doing some sort of like a basic tutorial um, that both, you know, educates at the departmental head around AI so that they feel comfortable and confident with using that technology, but also in taking a role in um, not necessarily calling out, but in shepherding their staff in using that technology and saying, these are the things that we're generally seeing are appropriate ways for applying this. Here's where from like an IT or our CISO, you know, talked about, these are the ways that we're not going to use this technology. I just want to make very clear, you know, the bounds of how and in what ways we can leverage this so that we are not inadvertently exposing ourselves to unnecessary risk, but at the same time that we're remaining competitively um, advantageous with regards to early adoption and application of what we know to be a very powerful and useful technology. So I think inclusion is part of this. Education is another part, which I just mentioned. And then I think lastly, because this is an emerging space, it's ongoing education. So that little task force that you'll develop that's multidisciplinary, multi-departmental, it is not going to be like a one and done. Like, glad we had this talk, guys. Let's never, <laughs> let's never waste people's time again. It's kind of like a, hey, once a month, um, you know, I'm the head of IT or I'm the person who's been tasked with governance. My job is to listen to, learn from, like, you know, again, with emerging technologies, YouTube videos, podcasts like this one. And then, you know, to be responsible for really kind of giving people, I don't know, do like a, you know, brown bag lunch session once a month so that people don't feel like it's like they're being forced to do more work. I mean, I always pay people off and cupcakes and cookies. So, you know, <laughs> that's kind of an easy one. And then just say, like, this is what we're seeing on the horizon. These are the key trends. I want to make sure that people are aware of what these things are, you know, and just keep people up to speed on some of this. Encourage, especially younger people in your staff who you're prepping for succession planning and future leadership, that they're aware of this, that they're keeping pace with it, and that you also have somebody else who's kind of out there watching especially as it relates to their particular vertical yeah something something you said in there gabriella that i love just the the risk mitigation and it seems like sometimes it, it's people are so risk adverse with generative ai which makes sense but then it just leads to inaction right and then it leads to you know losing ground in your competitors so yeah you have to balance risk mitigation with proper implementation i think is huge great question here from monica thanks thanks for this one monica so asking uh what are some of the mistakes that maybe you've seen uh that that we can learn from gabriella yeah well um again we'll do some of those that are publicly available and have them <laughs> for consumption um just to 
you know, be sensitive to some of the firms that have, you know, forayed into this space and have had some kind of negative experiences so far. Um, but I think one thing is sort of like a blind idealism towards what this can and should do. I think just like when the internet was first coming forward, there's going to be a lot of ways that this can be applied, right? So it always has to be like a cost benefit of like whether it actually makes sense for your department, for a particular product, for a particular customer segment, right? Um, so I think that one of the things is just like, yay, we have a new technology. It solves everything. Now um, I expect you to get your work done in 10 minutes instead of 10 hours, right? Um, so I think, you know, some of those pieces are going to be um, important. So blind adherence to or excitement around a technology and its application. Mistake number one. I think mistake number two is like the exact opposite of that, which is a complete and utter clampdown, um, which is that we don't know what this is. No one should use it at all. It should be. So it's almost like I think the main mistake here is kind of around balancing it, being a learning organization that sees the value, knows how to dip their toes in, and is doing it to the best degree possible with regards to the responsibility. I think you want people to test and play with this technology, and it shouldn't just be at some of the higher levels. You want it to be encouraged with younger staff. Why? Um, well, most likely the younger staff is going to be more open to using it. They're going to be the ones for whom this will dictate sort of their trajectory professionally and success. They're also going to see it as an early indicator of the degree to which your firm and organization is open to transformation, opportunity, and kind of the next wave um, of where your product, market, customer, client is going. Um, so I think that, you know, if I'm looking at some of this, it's, you know, one, blind adherence, big mistake. Two, ultimate clampdown, second mistake. Three, though, is keeping it almost in like an ivory tower, right? And saying only this high level group should be able to apply it because probably the better applications of it and the people who are going to be more savvy around it are going to maybe be some of your like newer hires or your like lower level management. And so I think that making sure that those people feel both empowered as well as supported. And then lastly, I think, um, you know, if I had to name a fourth issue that I think comes up, um, it's that like all mistakes are, you know, irreversible and no one should be forgiven. Um, it's a new space. There's going to be lots of mistakes that are made. And if the reaction from senior leadership is a complete, like you're fired, you, you tried to do this, it failed, or like you were saying, um, around piloting, there's going to be lots of pilots that will fail. Acknowledge it's a failure. Don't just stop, you know, iterating or playing with what could be potential applications of AI, but really start to think about what is it that would have been better, you know, and really do a true debrief from that, right? Because a lot of times we're like, oh, AI didn't work. So the entire technology can be thrown out and you're like, well, hold on, like maybe it didn't work in finance, but it definitely could work in, um, you know, engaging around business development and creating prompts and scripts and, you know, more personalized, tailored emails, saving time, you know, efficiency, effectiveness. Um, you know, what are some low risk areas that we can apply this first that don't unnecessarily, you know, disclose proprietary or sensitive information? 
but can enhance people's daily job experience so that they're they're able to be freed up to do some of those higher value added tasks right yeah. and i think that's where you're going to find those like kind of like lower management um maybe even higher um level early hire people who i think you know they're going to have some really cool ways to work with this and i think it's really important to empower them and to support them in sort of a lot of that inventing yeah so 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 many i mean this this episode gabriella has been like a a goodie bag of governance you know we've talked about how to <laughs> yeah. set up ethical frameworks best practices on working with stakeholders balancing risk risk mitigation and timely implementation and you know, inclusion, you're right, involving all levels of an organization. But, you know, as we wrap up here, maybe what's what's your one best piece of advice uh, for someone? Maybe they are in charge of, you know, governance or they're in charge of implementation. What is that one very specific practical piece of advice that you can give for people that they can start implementing uh, in AI responsibly with governance in mind? Yeah. So I think I'll give you two um, and I'll make them really fast because I know we're getting close to wrap up. But I think the first one is to make sure that um, you're learning and, you know, it's not going to be your traditional learning by the time formal educational resources are available. You know, they're going to be so watered down in general. You really do need to start to do your homework by listening to podcasts, by going on to the, you know, onto YouTube, watching videos. You need to self-educate on this so that you're ahead of the curve. Um, that's number one. And number two is get a task force set up immediately. You know, start pulling people to the center, start talking about what this is, and don't be afraid to admit when things fail. You know, you learn so much more from when an, a you know pilot fails, fails, and I actually don't believe in the concept of failure, to be quite honest with you. I think everything is just a part of the ultimate success story. So, you know, there's setbacks, but I don't know that you could ever consider a failure a failure if you learn something from it. Um, so that's why I think it's really important to see that as a progression towards a successful application of this. This is, geez, this has been a lesson and a half. Uh, thank you, Gab uh, Gabriella Kuz from the sen uh, Senior Fellow AI 2030. Thank you so much for joining the Everyday AI Show to talk governance. We appreciate your time. Thank you. This has been fun. Hey, and as, as a reminder, everyone, this was a lot. Make sure to check out today's newsletter. So go to youreverydayai.com. We're going to be recapping that tomorrow. Join us for our show, Translation in the World of AI. Will we even have a job tomorrow? Uh, tune in and find out. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and shout out another episode. So if this was up your alley, if this was super helpful, what you heard Gabriella talking about, go check out episode 197, which was our five simple steps to using Gen AI at your business today. These two episodes work well together. So thank you for joining us. And we hope to see you back tomorrow and every day for more Everyday AI. Thanks, y'all. And that's a wrap for today's edition of Everyday AI. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating. It helps keep us going. For a little more AI magic, visit youreverydayai.com and sign up to our daily newsletter so you don't get left behind. Go break some barriers and we'll see you next time.